My name is Carl. I'm a compulsive overeater. And the reason I just had a pause. <laughs> this room, this meeting was my home for 27 years. And I moved away four years ago. And this is the way I get when I get back with my family. You are my family. Um, you've given me my male family back to me and I didn't have them for over 50 years and you gave that back to me you've given me a life beyond anything I could have imagined so for those of you who don't know me uh, I came into program uh, April uh, May next, next May will be 30 years uh, this past December I celebrated 27 years of continuous absence one day at a time thank you Next time I you're applauding yourselves because you did it for me I didn't do it I, I did what you told me to do I showed up, I read, I listened I went to meetings I was of service I did what I was told to do uh, as a friend of mine used to say, I was a very obedient child. And I followed the rules. And the rules have given me wonderful gifts. Uh, when I came in, I was in the process of eating one meal a day. Some of you call it grazing. I call it eating one meal a day. I never <laughs> stopped. My jaw, how my jaw lasted, I don't know, but I'm grateful it did. I do know at one point I went to uh, my doctor and I was having trouble with my elbow and he said you have tennis elbow I said no <laughs> I don't play tennis um, and he said well it's from using this joint too much I said oh gee I wonder how that happened and when I wasn't feeding myself I had a two by four in my hand and I was beating myself up so if it wasn't one thing it was the other so it made sense that I had tennis elbow um I always ate that way, but I was uh, born in New York City and I lived there for 32 years and uh, just by being there and taking mass transit and not having a car and just being mobile, I was always on the go. So, and I was younger, so I was mobile and I was burning it off. And then I moved to Los Angeles uh, when I was 32 years old and all of a sudden they attached a gas pedal to my right foot and said go forth and flourish and uh, you know I, I, I stopped being physically active and so eventually it started to show on me um, the person who introduced me to program may she rest in peace a dear wonderful soulmate of mine who I will love eternally for that and many many other things um, lost 150 pounds and believe it or not I wasn't impressed oh, I was not impressed. I didn't have the 150 to lose, but I wasn't impressed. What I was impressed by was that all of a sudden she was calm and she was peaceful and she had a glint in her eye and we weren't battering at each other anymore. We were talking. We were conversing. And I said, I want that. I won't tell you how much longer it still took me to get into the rooms. Uh, I, I just, I wasn't willing and and she followed program she did attraction rather than promotion I went to my first meeting in Hickam Air Force Base in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii this is way before 9-11 so you could get on the base and uh, I saw something that I liked and then it took me still another year to go to my first meeting here on the mainland once I came in I only stopped for 
I kept saying it was three months and my friends keep telling me it was three weeks uh, when I had a major relapse and then when I came back I said I can't do this again and I don't want to do this again because I saw what all of you had I saw the successes in your life I saw the peace I saw the serenity I saw the calmness so as far as my history yeah I've got it you've got it but I'd rather talk about what's going on and what I, the gifts I've gotten from the program to me that, that's, that's much more of my story um, one of the main things that I got from this program is a wonderful loving relationship with a woman who I hadn't spoken to for 50 years she's my sister she's only 65 so if we didn't talk for 50 years part of that time we were living under the same roof and we, we didn't get along and God bless the fourth step I got to look at my part what was my part and I finally realized I hated her from the day she was born because up to that point I was the baby I was the special one and now I wasn't the baby I was the middle one and uh, that brought a, it's a whole set of problems and I did not forgive her until I started doing the work here and then I realized she's not the one I had to forgive there's no forgiving to do I had to work on me a lot of our discord we be I believe has to do with un unsaid things and you know what we don't have to say it today we didn't talk we'd be in the same room it, it was a horrible situation our parents tried to resolve it didn't work remember we both told them to butt out which is very sweet um, we uh, our older brother tried we definitely told him to butt out um, and we just went along our merry way my goal in life every day is to be better today than I was yesterday and that, that was my whole goal I'm going to keep working the program I was working on me and working on me and working on me and at one point she cracked a door maybe three inches and I decided if she's going to be willing to crack the door I'm going to be willing to open it and see what's on the other side I was just in Berkeley uh, this past weekend spent four days with my sister and some of her best friends going away to um, uh, an Airbnb where six of us sat around and played games and went walking and taking hikes and laughing and having fun and doing our own thing and doing things together and acknowledging who we were and I would have said there are people in this room that if they would have taken bets on whether we would ever talk again they'd be broke <laughs> because when we figured out that everyone said everything that they would do millions would have been lost on us because no one ever thought we would be reconciled and I wasn't after reconciliation that's not what I was after I was after being, I was after being a better me today so that's one thing I got the other thing I got is I got to be uh, a responsible member of the community I used to lie, cheat and steal like breathing when I made my amends to my parents about the lying I had done my parents said yeah we always knew you were lying and I thought I had a little tell you know my eyebrow went up or something they said no your lips were moving <laughs> and I didn't say it to them but my mind went busted because it was true I never told the truth today I don't know how not to I needed money I took it from wherever I could find it 
my amends were quite extensive financially and it took me many years but I did them because I had to because you guys told me if I didn't I wouldn't be the way I wanted to be and that was the way you were because I come into these rooms and I see these, these shining lights and wonderful examples of what program can give you I became a better employee I, I began to tell the truth I've had bosses come to me and say this is wrong and you know really ready to plow into me and I go oh you're right how do we fix it they don't know how to deal with that <laughs> they want combativeness or that's my opinion and I don't care what they want I have to be who I am and who I am today is one of you and who I am today is, is I believe an outstanding upstanding bit of the community and I never thought I'd say that about myself the thing that sometimes pisses me off and sometimes thrills me is that I still have more to learn you know it's like can I graduate can I be done and uh, then I look at my sponsor who has 10 more years of absence than I do and his sponsor who has more years of absence than he does and guess what they're still in meetings I go do we ever get done and they said keep coming back <laughs> and that's what I do because that's what I found works best for me I never thought that I would have the life I have today that I retired um, it broke my heart four years ago to leave Los Angeles when I first moved here I moved here to be with someone who threw me out four months later and being from New York City uh, I was going to go back until I realized it was snowing there in April and then the sun was shining here so I stayed here and uh, so here I stayed but I decided if I'm going to stay I better make the most of it and I did to the best of my ability part of it was getting into program and I never thought that I would leave Los Angeles until I really wanted to retire because I was working for someone who I was not enjoying working for I was not being treated the way I thought a human being should be treated and I checked it out with all of you not all but some of you people I, I, I knew and respected in the corporate world and said what's going you know and I decided to retire and then I realized oops I can't afford Los Angeles and that hurt because I thought I'd die here in retirement you know so I had to go someplace else uh, luckily I have wonderful friends who uh, live in Jacksonville and, and I went there and I checked it out and it's okay but I never thought that I would have the ability to go to a new city again because I moved from New York here to be with someone and that bombed well I moved from Los Angeles to Jacksonville and that hasn't bombed and it's been four years and I don't think it's going to bomb uh, when I moved there all of a sudden I needed a place to live and thankfully I was financially uh, able to buy a condominium I must have looked at a lot of places and I kept looking and looking and I put it in bids and I wouldn't get it well the next one that I would put a bid on was even better than the last one and it was better and they each kept getting better and better and I finally realized God's got something in plan for me in store for me so I finally got to one that I God, fell in love with the place and then I walked in did the whole thing didn't hear back and I said okay God I don't know what you've got but I'm ready for it bring it on let's do it and I got it to this day I've been there I've lived in my place for three years every time I walk in I just uh, 
It's so nice to be in my house. I just love being there. And I never would have been aware of things like that if I hadn't come here. I wouldn't have been aware of taking care of myself. It's here. You know, I used to say I was born and raised in New York. I was born in New York. I was raised in these rooms. When I first came into program and I started working with my sponsor, uh, I was sick or something. I don't remember what it was. And he says, uh, you work for a large company, don't you? I said, yeah. He says, do you have insurance? I said, oh, we've got great insurance. We've got this and we've got that. And he says, so when's your doctor's appointment? Huh? You're sick, you have insurance, and you're not going to the doctor? Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, self-care. What a thought. I'm just busy taking care of everybody else. I have my nose in everybody's business. I can tell you everything about everything about everybody, but you couldn't tell anything about me because I would, I would clam up. I didn't know how to be open. I didn't know how to be um, available. I didn't know what friendship was. I didn't have any because I didn't talk about me. I thought you always had to be up and perky and happy, but yet people weren't always that with me. And I never thought the things I was doing was wrong. I thought, doesn't everyone do this? And when I looked, they didn't, but I didn't look. I looked tunnel vision. It was all about me all the time. And it got to be all about me all the time because I was alone. When I look back at my relationships, when I look back at the relationships I'd been in, I had, after I made my amends, I had to go back and make even more amends because I realized more of my character defects had shown. And these poor guys got stuck with it. <laughs> they, they really, uh, a friend of mine said that his, his first marriage was, bless you, uh, he point one, and his card rod got he point four. You know, she got the upgraded version, and and I, I began to feel that way. You know, um, these poor guys, I had to, I had to plow through them to be who I was, and the best I could do is is to go back and clean up the mess. Um, I'm very very satisfied living where I live. Miss you guys terribly. Drives me crazy. Listen to the tapes listen to what's going on, keep in touch with people. And that's the other thing that, that the program taught me. It doesn't matter. Wherever I am, I'm always with program. Whether I'm on a plane and I listen to a downloaded uh, tape, whether I'm at home and I need a meeting, I, there are telephone meetings 24-7, 366. I can always be in touch with my program. And I make sure that I do that because for me, this is my oxygen. You guys are my oxygen. Um, when I was with my friend's sister, I told them that they were the wind between, beneath her wings. You guys are the wind beneath my wings. Because without you guys, I can't stay afloat. I came here broken in more pieces than I could think of. And you put me back together. And we're not done yet. So I'm going to be around for a while. I'm sticking around for a while. I was able to make amends with my family, uh, especially had a difficult relationship with my father because I was gay. I wasn't gay. I am gay. <laughs> I thought that. I ain't changed a man. <laughs> For a second, then you got to smile. Sorry. Uh, <coughs> and but towards the end, uh, when when he died, we had 
come to as, as close of a piece as we could. And that was fine with me, and it was fine with him. He began to be a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, he had a hard time with it, and I respected that, and I did the best I could to make it easy. My mother uh, loved me the way I was, with all my craziness and all my kookiness, and uh, in her own way, she pitched in and, and helped a little bit whenever she could, and, and, and that was fun also. But I've learned to accept people the way they are. I have an older brother who's homophobic, and, he, and, I'm, and I shouldn't be saying that on tape, but oops, it's out there now. Um, and that's okay. I still go to his house and visit with him and his children. I, I'm still loved. I'm, you know, they let me in. And what they think about me, none of my business. And when I think about them, I try not to think anymore. Because they're my family. And they're always going to be there for me, as I will always be there for them. As I've told his children on occasion, I will always love you. I don't always like you, but I will always love you. Because they're my family. And you guys are my family. This is a family that, when I knew that I, I was going to be in Northern California, I didn't say, well, I just won't go to the birthday party. No, not a negotiable. I said, oh, I could spend two weeks in L.A. Woohoo! I got so excited because I got to come here and be at meetings and be with you guys and to celebrate my birthday and, and to really reconnect with, to me, the oxygen of my life. You know, telephones are great. I mean, everything, all the tools are wonderful, but, but face-to-face, to me, is what works it. Um, I've enjoyed the gifts beyond belief. Uh, I have a life that is fantastic. Um, my abstinence has stayed solid through all sorts of ups and downs. Uh, the last, my last major break of my abstinence was when my father died because I was new in program. And what I did for that was I followed my food plan. And I was Mr. Hips looking cool. I thought I was great because dad died and I stuck to my, my, my food plan and I was fine. And I couldn't understand why a few months later I was back in the food. Couldn't figure it out. And then I figured it out. I had kept my food plan, but I had not enhanced my spiritual life. I had not worked my spiritual program. I hadn't prayed. I hadn't meditated. I hadn't read the daily meditation books, all of which I do every day now. I sit down to do my reading. I'm reading two from this program, two from two other programs, one from my, my faith, and then I first start writing. And then I start praying. And then I start meditating. And even when I was working, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning here in Los Angeles so that I would have an hour in the morning to pray and meditate. Because if I don't start my day with prayer and meditation, I might as well not start my day. Thank you. So to me, the most important thing I can do every day is pray and meditate. And there were days that that I couldn't always take the hour to pray and meditate at home. Get in the car, shut the radio, shut the phone, talk to God. You know, with the advent of cell phones, if so, someone drives by and they see your mouth going, they just think you're talking on the phone. Again, I don't care what other people think. So uh, it, it, it was a great way for me to start the day. Bless you. It also is what keeps me grounded. 
I've noticed that the days that I pray and meditate, I have a better day than the days that I don't. Not that the days that I don't, the day is going to go down the tubes. It's not. It's going to take a lot for my days to go down the tubes. But they're better than the days that I don't. And who deserves a a better day more than me? No one. Especially in my life. Because that's that's the only way, that's the only person I can give a, a better day to. And I make sure that my food is intact. I make sure that when I'm flying across time zones, which from Jacksonville here and then going back, there's whole opportunities. I mean, I flew from Los Angeles to to Atlanta to Athens, Greece, and you know what? I still only had three meals in 24 hours. I worked it out. Where am I going to be? And I carried my own food. And I prepare my own food, and I get a hold of airlines, or I get a hold of hotels, or I find out where I'm going to be. You know, when we landed in, in Athens, Greece, the guy said, what time is it in Los Angeles? I said, why would I care? I'm not in Los Angeles. I'm in Athens, Greece. It's, it's 12 o'clock here. Where do I go for lunch? And my friend said, are you ready for lunch? I said, it's 12 o'clock. It's lunchtime. <laughs> he said, but. I said, no buts. I said, you know, for me, that's how people get jet lag. I don't think about where I'm not at. I'm here. As long as I'm here, be here. I want my feet to be where my head is at. And I want the whole thing to be where my higher power is at. I make sure I bring my higher power with me every place I go. I make sure that at all times I'm in contact with my higher power. Driving over today, I was talking the whole way. And I just make sure that I stay in a fit spiritual condition. Because if I don't, the food won't mean a thing. I can do whatever I want with my food, but, but if my head is, is in a crazy place, being clean with my food, well, it got me to break my abstinence. I mean, I've been down that road. I know where having clean food and no spirituality will get me. I know where that will get me. I've been down that road. I don't like it, and I'm not going to go there again to the best of my ability. I can't say what I'm going to do or not going to do. I can only say the actions I'm going to take to get me to do or not do. I'm going to make sure I get to my meetings. I mean, there have been times I'm dog tired. And even in retirement, you do get dog tired. (laughs) So don't think it's all, you know. So uh, there are times, some nights, I I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to, as I say, I don't want to go. I'm picking up the keys and putting on my jacket and getting what I need because that's what I have to do. I have to hear the message. I have to hear you guys. I have to be in the presence of people that are working the program. And I pray to God that I will do that every day. When I first came into program, uh, when I go to visit my parents in Florida, I lived here in L.A. I didn't rent a car. I would use their car. So now, if you're taking the car, you've got to tell them why. So I told them, you know, 12 seconds. And my father said, do you ever think, you know, he says, when are you going to stop going to these meetings? I said, well, my plan is, and we'll see how it goes, my plan is that my last meeting will be at my funeral. Because I'm told that as long as two of us are together, <laughs> we have a meeting. And I'd like to think that at my funeral, there'll be at least two people <laughs> that I know for program. Thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Please also remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. 
Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Uh, okay. Please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, could you talk a little bit about sponsoring, how you sponsor, what your relationship with your sponsor is? Okay. Um, I have been very blessed to be working with the same sponsor. Oh, I'm sorry. You think my mind can remember that? Come on, I'm a senior citizen. <laughs> the question is about sponsoring, how I, how I sponsor and what my relationship is with my sponsor. So I've been very lucky. I've been sponsored by the same man for 28 years. And that's the longest relationship in my life, other than, other than my natal family. Uh, the way I sponsor is, uh, it's, it's very changed over the years because I used to sponsor locally. And I don't sponsor people locally uh, where I am. Uh, and so... Uh, when I was sponsoring locally, we would meet. I'd like to see them at a meeting. They didn't, we didn't have to do anything, at least see each other at a meeting. That way I knew they got to at least one meeting. I do ask my sponsors to get to two, two to three meetings a week and to be of service and to read. Uh, we usually start with the AA, uh, I'm sorry, with the OA 12 and 12, and we go through the steps that way, and then we see where we go from there. But that, that's always a, a good starting spot for me is to work in the steps. Thank you for the question. Could you talk about your experiences with steps six and seven? Uh, my experience with steps six and seven. Yes. The reason I groan is because just when I think I'm done with my character defects, uh, and I speak to my sponsor about something, he says, well, maybe we should work six and seven about that. And as a matter of fact, we're getting together this week uh, to work steps six and seven on one of my character defects. I find that I have to work them constantly. My character defects, just when I think... I'm okay, not good, but I'm okay with my characteristics, which are really character defects. Um, another one raises its head. It's, um, I don't want to say it's like whack-a-mole, but it really is for me like whack-a-mole. Just when I think, you know, I've got this one taken care of, another one pops up. And so I have to be diligent, and that leads in with the sponsorship. Uh, I'm trying to make sure my sponsor knows what's going on in my life so that if I'm getting off the straight and narrow, which for me is kind of hard, uh, it's someone can tell me. And that's something else to tie in with sponsorship. I find this important to know what's going on in someone's life so that we can see things that are going on. Thanks for the question. Please. Did you always have a spiritual connection and um, can you talk a little bit about the spiritual connection? Sure. Did I always have a spiritual connection and can I speak a little bit about it? Um, I was brought up in a traditional Jewish home um, and I learned religion. I did not learn spirituality. I learned spirituality in, in the rooms of our readers anonymous. I learned um, and it's from the spirituality of learning the program that I've become deeper involved in, in my Judaism uh, by working that. So, uh, before I came into program, no, I did not have a spiritual connection. I learned about spirituality here. I learned what it's like to have a higher power. I learned what it was like to rely on a higher power, which I do do, uh, many times during the day in various forms. Um, when things aren't going right, serenity prayer, I just zip into it. Uh, and when I'm not sure what to do, 
I do my quick and easy prayer. Okay, okay God, what do I do now? And uh, I recently did that when uh, I was 160 miles from home and my car decided to blow up. And I said, okay, God, what do I do now? And, okay, God, what do I do now? And what do I do now? And what do I, and I just kept asking. And every step along the way, I was taken care of. And the way I know that I have a connection with a higher power is that. So, as an example, what do I do now? Get over to the side of the road, right? So, you, you know, to call for assistance. I was parked right under a, a sign. So I could say, I'm parked at the sign on such and such a freeway at such and such a place. I could tell them exactly where I was. You know, people say, well, they can do that with GPSs. No. I have to do my part. I have to be responsible. Okay? The car died. It was at a dealership. They wanted to sell me a car. Got it. No. God said no. And I said, okay, no. I'm going to get a rental car. And we'll, we'll talk about this later. But I don't make decisions without turning it over to my higher power. Because I've learned that every time I do, it's the old foot in the mouth. And the question is, how far do I want to go in my mouth? Toes, ankle, knee. I really don't want to get to my thigh. But I, I, I've learned just from my experiences that the more I keep turning things over to my higher power, the more I keep in connection with my God, the more I'm getting better results. Now, I could stop doing that to try it out. Why would I want to? You know, there's the old saying, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Well, it's getting better and better, so why would, why would I fix it? Why would I not continually pray to God when I got a wonderful condominium, when I got a wonderful new car, when everything falls into place? Every time I think, oh, an answer comes. A solution comes. Is it my solution? No. My solutions are never the solution to go with. I don't go with my solution until God tells me to go with my solution. Does that take care? Thank you. So, um, can you tell me about adjusting and then accepting the meetings where you live? Thanks, Norm. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, going to take, they're going to hear this. They're going to hear this. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. She met Galbraith in the front. Uh, how, I, how have I adjusted or accept, and accepted the meetings where I'm at? The meetings where I'm at are very different. They're all literature-based. We very rarely have speaker meetings. And uh, I shouldn't say very rarely. We never have speaker meetings, unless it's the fifth of the month. But we do literature meetings. And that's very different for me. And the way I've adjusted to it is, it's a meeting is a meeting is a meeting is a meeting. I need to go and hear the message. And there are people there that have good recovery. And there are people that have, that have a message to share. And I've been turned on to some literature that I wasn't as familiar with. There's even one that I had no, that I never opened. And so it's, it's, it's broadened my horizon. Okay? The other thing is, if I think that my way is the only way about anything, that's right. It's the only wrong way. Just like that, that saying that the only way to uh, the only way from here to there is one way. Was we all know you can get on the four or five, you can get on the one on one, you can get on the ten. You can always get someplace through multiple ways. And so my idea is to stay recovered, and the way I do that is take whatever paths in front of me to the best of my ability. However, that being said, I still do things like 
I come back to the birthday party as often as I can. I do go to conventions whenever I can. Uh, World Service is going to be in Orlando this coming August. I will make sure I go to that. So I, I, I have my meetings, but I also supplement it with other things. Thanks for the question. <laughs> nice to see you. Thank you. Um, how do the traditions the traditions have been important to me because it reminds me how to be a human being it really does um, the, the one that just always hits me and, and because it hurt me the most when I realized how is the seventh beings I was never self-supporting I stole tremendous amounts of money in cash in product, in time in, in wasted time at work um, insurmountable amounts of time I mean I, I had a phone one time that I never got a bill for and I never told anybody somebody got a bill and then when they found out it was me and it was going to be a gigantic bill I just cut the cord that was a big bill um, it teaches me to be human it teaches me again it's part of being present it's part of being a, what I would call a, a respectful human being of what's going on in life and not desecrating things you know I, 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 when I say I grew up here I look at who I was before and uh, I still go back to New York to visit friends and it takes them a while to realize I'm not who I was when I left and most of them are thrilled uh, because well because there's been a change it's not that I mean if they didn't like me when I left they wouldn't have kept in touch but they like the change because I'm more I'm more real I'm not this crazy person trying to run everything and tell them what to do when I, when I came into program I was general manager of the universe I knew how to do everything. Just ask me and I'll tell you. And I, I knew what to do and I knew how to do it and, and I made sure you knew I knew. And if you didn't do it my way, you hit the highway. You weren't in my life anymore. And that got me a lot of friends. Not. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know. So, they keep me grounded. They keep me present. Thank you. Sir. What's the role that service has played in thank you what's the role services played in my recovery I never thought I'd say it but again it has taught me how to deal with people because I didn't know how to deal with people so um, I started out you know on the group level I became a treasurer I became a secretary and all of a sudden I had, I had to call people to get speakers and I had to deal with the politics and, 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 and all the craziness that goes on with that I chaired the birthday party one year and that was the largest growing experience I think in my life well you're laughing but only because you know the ones who are laughing the hardest are the ones who have done it <laughs> because it taught me to let go it was the greatest experience of letting go people had assignments to do and I let go of the result wow for me, because I was a controlaholic, 
I was. And I wanted everything done my way and this way, being general manager of the universe. And when you're doing the birthday party, and that was back when 500 people was considered a lot, and that was the first year we hit 500. And I just let it go. As a matter of fact, they came over to me and said, we're out of registration badges. And I'm like, well, and they said, we have nothing. And I said, okay, well, do it the best you can. I'm going to a meeting. <laughs> and I ducked into a meeting. But I learned I don't have to control everything every minute of the time. So when I'm of service, I show up. I'm of service today. I must have thought of 12 million different things I wanted to say today. I have no idea if I said them or not. I'll listen to the tape and tell you uh, next time I see it. But I leave it in God's hands. You know, again, what do I do next? Okay, God, what do I do next? And, but I only learned that by having to deal with people on my level who I respected on my level. I think that was it. Is I got to deal with people that, were, that I respected. And they were on my level. Thanks for the question. Okay. Five minutes. Are there, thank you for your share. Are there times that you don't live up to the your the principles you've learned in this program, and what do you do if you don't? Another wonderful question. <laughs> are there times? Are there times that I don't live up to the principles of the program, and what do I do when I don't? Well. I try not to have them. I can't think of them right now. And what I do is I write about it. I speak to my sponsor, I think. And I do the best I can the next time. But I try to learn from it. I don't let it just fester. I don't let it say, oh, well, I messed that up. No, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough for me. I, I really need to do something about it so that I do remember something that there's not a next time. Because if I just let it slide, if I don't share it with another human being, if I don't share it with my higher power, if I don't translate it into an action, I'm going to do it again. Because I got away with it the first time. And I don't want to, quote, get away with it. Thank you. Please. Thanks, Carl. Uh, you spoke about your siblings and family dynamics. Do you ever find yourself with your siblings reverting back to feelings of the past and if you do how do you get out of it at the moment okay so the relationship with my siblings and do I ever revert to those behaviors in the past and what do I do but the feelings of the dynamic the feelings of the dynamic absolutely not seriously Uh, my sister and I spent four days together we had a wonderful time my brother and I because I've learned to accept him the way he is I still don't particularly like a lot of things he does or says or acts or behaves and I take a deep breath before I say or do anything and go that's who he is and the other thing I say a lot of is God bless him and as I say to a lot of people uh, especially you know I live in Jackson which is a lot smaller and I've been driving around here and um, there are a lot more people here and there have been a lot of God bless you's. <laughs> you know, and seriously, that, that takes the edge off of it for me. It's like once I've blessed it, it's like, what else is there to say or do? You know, I'm done. And my, my sister and I agree a lot about our brother, but we don't, we don't pick on him and we don't, you know, if something comes up, we'll talk about it. My brother will tell me things about my sister and go, that's nice. I've learned not to gossip. Oh my God. Uh, I don't know how I ever did that, but I learned that that's not right. 
But again, how I learned about keep, I keep coming back. You know, a lot of things I learned here is not by learning them, but by hearing about them and just the osmosis of doing it. And so when my brother says or does something, I go, you know, that's who he is. God bless him. You know? And I'll tell you a funny story about it after the meeting. Uh, did you have your hand up, Michael? Uh, yeah. Okay. And I was scratching my chin. <laughs> my question was, Carl, your dad, you said that your dad passed away mm-hmm. really in your past. Yes. Did you make amends to him or after you talked about that? First, I have to. Now, my relationship with my dad ends and I make amends. Once I became absent. Okay. When I was getting ready to move to Florida, um, I went through papers. Because when you're paying by the. Anyway, I went through all my files and I, I looked at every single piece of paper. My father wrote maybe three letters to me my whole life up to that point. Going through the files, I found out there were four. And I read this letter. And this was before he knew I was gay, so this had nothing to do with my being gay. He sent me my final semester college tuition and he wrote me such a beautiful letter that he loved me and cared about me and thought about me. And what bought, why I'm so verklempt, so I'm so upset, is that I didn't see it until after he was dead. And had I remembered that letter from college, our relationship for the next 30 years would have been very different. And I never, I never got to tell him that face to face. I wrote a letter, and I went to the cemetery. And I got out of the car, and I read his letter. I said, "Dad, I just got this. I just found this letter." And so I know I read it once before because there was a check in there, and there's no longer a check, and I made the tuition. <laughs> so I know, you know, I know I'd seen it. And I read his letter, and then as I was getting ready to read the letter I had written to him, it started raining. And I ran back to the car to put his letter back in the car. I didn't want it to get wet. And I went back in the rain and stood at my father's grave and read a letter of love, respect, compassion, and amends. So, and to this day, my relationship with him, even though he's no longer physically with me, has changed tremendously. And that's a wonderful note to end on. Mm-hmm.